All right. Hello, my fellow Hepnuts. Are you ready for the Cannabis Bonanza? Yes, we are. Welcome to the new Hemp Time show recorded at Gotham Studio, the sweetest smelling podcast studio <laughs> in the world. Today's episode is partially powered by McSorley's Chili Dogs, McSorley's Ale House, the oldest ale house in the United States. We'd also like to thank our friends at the Five and Dime, uh, Aaron, Dennis, and Caitlin, and also our friends over at the Smith in Manhattan, Eddie and his buddy with the nice hair and the ponytail, whose name I can never remember. Remember, <laughs> also, short-term memory loss. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters yes, that make this you. show possible. Today in the studio, we have Jan Roberts, our Hello. resident social worker. Hi, yes. Jan. Hello, everybody. We're also joined by the illustrious actor-comedian performing every week and being creative in Manhattan, Greer Barnes. Woo-hoo! That's me. Yes. <laughs> thank you to Miles, who is keeping our sounds and videos. Miles, keep it real, you know. <laughs> we love Miles and his dog, too. The unapologetic yeah. farmer, oddly enough, apologizes for not making it today. <laughs> so he's got a backpack sitting in for him. Yes. <laughs> We're going to call him backpack, backpack. today. Backpack. It's hey, also backpack. filled with good information. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm your local cannabis researcher, Jahan Marcoux. Yay. Hello, Dr. J. Dr. J. <laughs> well, we've got a good show. In a second, yeah. we'll, we'll go to Jan with the check-in, but we have a word of the day. We're going to talk about CBD and morphine-seeking behavior today. A lot of oh, research. Wow. Then we'll go into some busting, testing your guys' knowledge of recent cannabis news and science. And we have some listeners <laughs> queued up to really? ask us some yes, questions. We do. we do. Yeah, we have. Uh, we had a Facebook uh, question. Yeah, also, and also so. someone to a cultivator from Emerald Farms is also going to be calling. Oh, that's in. awesome! Ooh. And of course, we'll end with some mind munchies. Maybe a good quote or story for you guys. <laughs> so to start it off. Jan, take Hello, it away. Hello, guys. Hey, Jan. Hi, guys. I missed you all last week. Anyway, I just wanted to start off and see how we all are today. You know, it's a beautiful day outside here. In yeah, New we should New do it York. outside. We should We should do it at the beach. They have a, a, a balcony here. I, they okay. do? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then just for that career, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> I might, I might. how are you doing today, I'm good. buddy? I'm all right. Yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's going on in the grill world? Um, I don't know. It's really vague. Uh, no I shit. may have an audition <laughs> for some film being shot on or for Amazon. Really? Nice. That's yeah. good. Hmm, whatever. Well, hold on. <laughs> and don't you have, there's one that you're in that's going to be released this summer, right? Or fall. Oh, or fall. 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 The, 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 the Joker. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, who's starring in it? Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. Are, are you one of the guys who beats him up in the subway? No, thank God, because uh, he would, he would, he gets those guys back. <laughs> I wanted sure. to see you karate chop, see if we no. could see your ninja moves. I actually work with him, but not, not it's not a big role. It's, oh, okay. I think he just showed it's me a, sit down and it's like, that's it. Are <laughs> you kidding me? That's a role that I've I've never been in a feature film. Have you, Jayhan? No, I, I would have loved to have been <laughs> sitting in a lawn chair at an Infinity War or something. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. That that's really cool. cool. That's so cool. So, But you're doing... Emotionally, physically? Emotionally, I'm a wreck. It's, you know, it's hard being black in America. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm good. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> hey, I'm from out. I'm, wait, no, I'm from a state that I refuse to say its name Ooh. now. <sighs> but anyway, okay. But you're I love how okay. all these women are standing up, though. Like, yeah. And yeah. dude's got to get out there, too. Yep, so, yep, yeah. yep. 
Okay. So you're doing yeah, well. That's I'm good. Good, good, good. good. Jay Han, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm loving this weather in New York right now. Oh, it was mm-hmm. so nice the last two days to get out. But um, I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to the summer and all these research projects lining up, speaking engagements and stuff. It's really, uh, I'm really excited about this potential conference in China in July. Wow. As well. Awesome. Yeah. Never been. We're going to Columbia in July too. Yeah, it's going to be a work big month. There. Both yeah. of you going to China possibly? Uh, he is. I don't know if I am. I'm confirmed. Uh, they still haven't finished uh, filling out all the speakers, but they're they're going to get back to you soon. <laughs> but I am speaking at a conference next weekend here in New York at the Jacob Javits. Center. Yeah, the CWCB. Yeah. yeah. Con- what, is, what is that? It's the Cannabis World Conference Expo. Yeah, it's, something it's, it's like the Cannabis World Conference and Business Expo. And, yeah. and they have a lot of like business services, accreditation services, consulting stuff, as well as a lot of educational tracks. And so, you know, if you're, if you're interested in being an advisor, consultant, or sharpening your game, you can go there. Or uh, if you just want to learn about the industry, it's a great place to go because you get a nice mix of medical professionals, politicians, regulators, and a lot of business folks. Yeah. Nice. And Jan. Jan's going to be talking. (laughs) And what's your topic? Well, I'm going to be talking about cannabis and mental health. And, you know, you guys kind of, we've talked about it here. It's a really exciting talk I like to give and talking about the physiological symptoms that could uh, help cannabis be an effective mood regulator and stuff like that. Really nerdy stuff. Good nerdy stuff. I know. I love it. I love it. But um, other than that, you know, that's good. I missed you guys. I had a great vacation, went to Southwest Florida, saw some beautiful beaches and got a tan, which is really wonderful. And somehow came back actually looking refreshed because I guess vacations do that for you. And Mm. I graduated from NYU yesterday. The official doctor's in the house. Is that why the Empire State was lit up purple? Yes, it was. Just for you? Just for Jan. (laughs) It's always just for Jan, damn it. Yes, I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. But I have to tell you. Wow, that's amazing. Is that why? Because I'm like... Yeah, tonight's Columbia's. uh, So we're going to light it up that color. Yeah, for Columbia. But last night it was purple. For I've NYU. Seen them I've seen them do that before. I'm, and I was like, wait a minute, why is it purple? I, I, I have to tell you, I think that that was my tuition dollars going to work there. <laughs> to, keep the, to put the lights on? I know. I just wonder how much it costs to do that, you know. But we had a great, like, great, great, great time. I had a family visit and I actually had my children visit. And that was like one of the coolest experiences I have ever had. Yeah, and the next time they're in town, you have to, we got to let me know a few days before so we can definitely I set know. up. Look, like, I am like, I drive everybody crazy. I'm last minute. I know I it. Like, oh I suck. Oh my God, Jan, Jan. No. I'm like, they probably got the seats they, already. These seats are kids were so cute. Anywho, um, but they gave me this huge thing of flowers, but they're, whoops, sorry, I hit you in the head. But I have to tell you guys this funny story. So this was at the beautiful United Palace Theater, this gorgeous theater. And my friend Natalie gave the speech uh, for our class and they have this hooding ceremony. You know about the hooding ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. I'm sitting on the back row on stage and and we're there. It's filled auditorium. And they call me and my advisor comes out. Well, what what I found out was that they had a friggin' bench on the stage. And I'm like, oh shit. My friend Stacy next to me was like, Oh, I am so not gonna lean down on that. I'll I'll never get up. And I know me. You guys know I'm not really graceful. 
I have two feet accidents, you know, I've had accidents this year. A couple of times with my feet. I, I, I am She's such the only a one with two right feet. I know. I, I know. I am such a klutz. So the hood comes on. I know. I am such a fucking klutz. I walk out oh on God. stage and I have to tell you, they call Jan Roberts. And if you watch the video, because of course it's live streaming on Facebook oh, and my family in the state that can't be named. Oh, They're watching, you know, and, and, and all of that stuff. So <laughs> everyone's watching it all over. Jan Roberts, all of a sudden you hear this. Woo! And it was my students. It was my students. And I felt just so lucky and loved. And yeah. so I'm all excited going down there. I'm all happy, giddy, you know, I've had a vacation. I lean down on the damn bench she hoods me, got the hood on the right way. And then as I get up, I, I put my hand on the side of the bench. I uh, know. And it tipped over and I fell on stage <laughs> at my graduation in front of a packed auditorium <sighs> and my students and my family. I was so embarrassed. And every you could hear everyone go <gasps> like that. And what do I do? But I jump up. I do my arms up in the air like, yeah, and I curtsied. I curtsied multiple times, <laughs> and the cheering, it, it was even funnier. The president was like, man, that was an awesome comeback. And I was like, thank you, and it's on video. <laughs> nice. So we might have to post it to New Hip Times. Still, I, I, know. Still, and I was like, wait a minute now. I know. I know Jan ain't full. <laughs> oh, oh, Jan fell. <laughs> I did in oh all my, of my glory. Get up, girl. But you know what's so sad is that everyone I've talked to who saw it, they're like, yeah, that's you. Because <laughs> I'm that clumsy. I really am. I would lo I'd lose it. You're talking lost to somebody who broke both of her legs within six months' time of each other in college. Yeah, I'm I'm a klutz, guys. I've had many broken bones. Like falling? Like, like, Jesus Christ. I just have, you know, I'm not coordinated. I might be smart, but graceful, I am not. <laughs> I'm just glad there wasn't a, a lightweight, you know, uh, professor on the other end of that that you like. He would have flew up into the air. And I have to tell you what was so funny about it: the the director who was like calling out the name, she lost her place and called the wrong person afterwards. She was laughing so hard. She and she remarked to the crowd, "You know, you gotta love the people in our group." <laughs> So she Only forgot the name somebody. Did that person graduate? Yeah, they did. They did. She she corrected herself at the end. But I thought it was a funny little story. I'm such a nerd. And no, I wasn't high or anything like that. I hadn't been drinking. Uh, this is just the way I normally am. So <laughs> it was a memorable day at NYU's graduation. <laughs> awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> Wait to the video. We'll have to get uh our lovely oh, we have marketing. To put, we have I have to put music to it. Oh my God. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know what, I don't even know. We'll find something. More like the Benny Hill music that, <laughs> <laughs> that they used to play. Benny Hill. Anyway, what's up? That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Well, that brings me to our word of the day, which I think is appropriate. Clumsy. Well, it's graceful. Uh, it's an ancient word meaning body disintegrator. As in <laughs> <laughs> Did you fucking know? Did you know this? So body decision. Did you wait? Did you know the no, story? I didn't know the story. You just chose that. Yeah. Well, it, it was with, uh, associated with this nice image where it had like a Buddha meditating, and then like the head, the, the midsection, and then the legs kind of like separating out in like a meditation. But I could also see how 
you know, having your body disintegrate could be uh, discombobulating for coordination. But the word that uh, translates to that is gatra banga. And so we know like the word bong or bang from gotcha. the gatra. Gatra banga. Yeah. G-A-T-R-A-B-H-A-N-G. You hear that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of the words that was supposed to kind of bring into mind the separation of the body from the spirit and things like that. And cannabis could help your body disintegrate to be more kind of in tune and in touch and mm. astral plane and things like that, or tripping and falling over benches. I told you I hadn't imbibed anything. <laughs> well, I will wait. Can I also say this? Mm-mm. They meant shush. I am anyway. They actually mentioned us yesterday oh, in the who? speech, the program director at, at NYU. Really? Well, not New Hemp times, but our, Institute. The institute, yeah, the research oh, institute, yeah, and about how you know, you know, one of our doctors started this research institute. And I was just like, it's about oh, time they be proud of something that they gave a grant to. I know, right? <laughs> and and I love the fact that when they mentioned cannabis and mental health, you know, because they have like when they talked about it, she, and she actually called the name International Research Center on Cannabis and Mental Health. The crowd started clapping about it, like got excited about it. So I think that, you know, the tides are changing for us and that people are much more interested in learning how it can benefit. So about to that word, can I ask a question? Sure. So do you, is the idea that cannabis actually helps you connect with your mind and body or does it, I mean, help me understand the importance of that. From what I read about this term, um, it more relates to kind of the spiritual aspect. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we can be too much in ourselves, right? We're trapped in our brains and our bodies and Mm -hmm. our own machinery. And so if you want to have another perspective, right, you have to disintegrate the body to be able to look down on a situation or, or to expand outward, right? So if you're trapped in this vessel of bone and meat, you're not going anywhere. But if you can shed it, then you're more connected uh, with the world. Because I've read read, um, something interesting about how um, this person said that they felt like cannabis actually was the great a bridge between the mind and body. And and as someone who really loves that. like the philosophy of mind kind of stuff, that that whole notion of, because I do believe that we are one, you know, yeah. I think that we have this tendency, especially within the medical community or any kind of like stuff of separating the mind and body out. But we know that there's that interconnection so important. And I actually find that cannabis actually helps my clients and myself to really be much more connected to how I'm feeling and thinking and and to go within and physiologically, but also emotionally. What do you mean when you're uh, with a patient, you mean? Well, yeah, like I have a patient who um, uses medical cannabis, Hmm. but he's found that it actually helps him kind of get connected to really emotionally how he's feeling, you know, where he is. And he uses it almost as part of his meditation, in a sense, to really kind of go within to see what's coming up, you know, while he um, has imbibed and and just to kind of see. It's been a very helpful tool for him to identify anger, to identify some Mm. sadness and depression, as well as joy and pleasure. So he uses it as a therapeutic tool, you know, to kind of help him connect to what's happening. Because sometimes we're all on autopilot Mm. throughout our lives, Mm. not really paying attention to how are we reacting emotionally to something or how do we like this or not like this. And and he uses it in that regard. And I I think that's similar because if you're getting rid of those barriers, you're disintegrating those barriers. Or defense mechanisms, what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like Wait, that. but keep talking. I'm sorry. I no, that's you. that's about that's about my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> Today we do have some brand new research that was published, and from a team in New York. Yes. Uh, so from it's Mount exciting. Sinai, um, one of my uh, friends, Dr. Yasmin Hurd, and uh, we've been on panels together. I've hosted panels that she's been on. She's one of the, these enlightened drug abuse researchers, um, and we're actually hoping to connect with her in some work with the Institute. But she published two articles came out this week, and one I'm going to talk about is the one in rats, because the one in the humans just came out today, and people are still trying to digest what it means. But they were looking at rats for a long time, trying to figure out what CBD does for addiction. And we hear all these claims about CBD. Um, but basically what they did is, uh, you know, so cannabis and its benefits remain kind of controversial. We hear things about THC uh, products and cannabis helping with opioid use disorders and dependence. Sometimes we hear about it hurting, but there's like nothing about really CBD's effect on how people use opioids. So they started with rats and they trained them to self-administer heroin or morphine. They learned very quickly. They establish some environmental cues like a sound or a light. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll go push that lever or go stand in this box to get the drug. What they found is that if you give them CBD, it actually doesn't affect um, like their maintenance, extinction or relapse. So like while they're getting exposed to it, they'll just administer it normally. Like it doesn't have an effect in the initiation. So like if you're taking CBD and you start using opioids, it's not going to have like this, pro- it's not going to be like an opioid condom that's going to protect you. <laughs> from, oh my God. You know, it's not going to have a pro- opioid condom. It's not going to be like a prophylactic <laughs> from, de- from developing addiction. <laughs> but what was weird is they took the rats out of the experiment yeah. for two weeks, gave them CBD, and then challenged them again, saying, okay, you're back in the treatment box. You can let us know when you want some morphine. And they were quite resistant to it. And they, you know, they were kind of protected from after abstinence, not while they're using it, but after they're able to go on abstinence, they were able to not use it or not ask for it. And what was really wild is the effect lasted for up to two weeks, like from the dosing of the CBD. From one dose? Uh, Well, this was from uh, multiple doses over time and then cut them off. And then bring them back in uh, with no drugs and see what happens. So CBD may have this kind of subtle long-term effect in in, in the brain. That is so cool. And I I really can't think of any substances or things that really have such a long, potentially long-term effect that's so subtle. Well, I have to tell you, this for me brings up a lot of implications. Because right now, when we look at addiction, and we all can acknowledge that um, there is an epidemic with opioid abuse right now. And I've lost family members as a result of really? it. I think, yeah, yeah. Two years ago, somebody, one of my, yeah. Um, and she, she died too young. And, um, anyway, uh, God, I got, lost my train of thought. Uh, But anyway, we know that with opioid abuse and opioid addiction, that there are some treatments, medical, uh, uh, medically assisted treatments available, like um, methadone is one of them. Um, That's really old school, though, methadone, right? That's what they tried to, like, wean heroin addicts off of. Well, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but that's what we're talking about. And the scary part is, Greer, is that a lot of times people get on it 
and it's for life. What, methadone? Methadone, yeah. And then, but there's Suboxone as well, that's a newer treatment, that it's a similar kind of treatment. And one of the concerns I have is that if you, you know, essentially they do drug tests on you and there are protocols that if you even come up with a positive drug screen, that you can lose that access to the Suboxone. And I've had patients who used cannabis, this was years ago, who were using Suboxone as a protocol and actually got kicked out of the treatment program. Because they had cannabis in there? Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, well, well, you know, cannabis is the real fucking problem. <laughs> Jesus. And they've done research on that to right. show that cannabis doesn't actually mean that people won't show up for methadone. Actually show people who are in this small study they did that actually right. they'll adhere to the treatment regimen more. They're more likely to show up for the therapy, show up for it. And, and you guys have to understand, I I own a very big practice, Partners in Health and Wellbeing, that we see about 16,000 patients a year. We have lots of patients who use cannabis and who also have addictions to opioids. And unfortunately, in that state, there's not a lot of support to really kind of have cannabis easily accessible to people with opioid use disorders. And so the whole idea of drug treatment historically has been abstinence-based and that you have to be abstinence from for everything in order to be successful. So if you drink, that means you're a failure. If you smoke pot, that means you're a failure. It's all or nothing thinking. And we know that all or nothing thinking doesn't work. But no, but but what we're seeing here is we're seeing a subtle shift where people are starting to think of harm reduction instead of just abstinence-based treatment models. And for me, this is exciting because I'm curious about, well, I'm curious about the physiological mechanisms that are going on that are kind of resulting from all of this and why CBD is working. But I'm fascinated by the fact that we might have something to help people to kind of get off of this to to try to kind of live better lives without having to show up to a frigging clinic every morning at 530 to get their dosage of methadone or, you know, that that we're able to show that cannabis is not this end all be all kill, you know, it's going to kill you and lead you to Mm. to horror and Mm. further addiction issues, you know, based on the gateway theory that used to be a path, you know, um, discussed. So. I don't know. I love that article. I, yeah. It's really exciting for me as a clinician. The, the My favorite part about it was the discussion about environmental cues. So like, um, you know, like if you see the bag that your drugs are in, your brain is like, ooh, let's have some more of that. <laughs> you know, like, like let's imagine you like you, you hadn't used drugs in a long time. Then you go to like a fish show. That's going to be triggering. You're going to be like mushrooms sound good right now. You know, so those are very strong environmental cues. And, and it brought up this phrase I like. It's called neurons that fire together, wired, wired wire together. together. Yeah. So if you do certain things, it links those experiences together. together. Right. Yeah. So if you're like, you know, and, and some people do that, like when they're studying for a test, they'll eat pieces of chocolate. And then during the test, they'll eat chocolate because it helps them kind of, you know, as a trigger. And so the fact that CBD can reduce these environmental triggers is is really interesting because that's part of the key to being able to go out in the world and have a life, maybe hang out with your friends and be like, no, I mean, imagine if it was for drinking and you could like go to a bar and hang out with yeah, people. Yeah, but that will never happen. Now that <laughs> will, I, I'm going to just stop you there because that will this never happen. When someone has to get, you know, when they choose to kind of, if they have an addiction or some serious issue, I do agree that people, places, and things are the things that lead to trigger, lead to relapse more often than not. 
I ascribe to a harm reduction model where I want my patients to be able to slowly kind of think about what's happening to them and how the substance can help them or hurt them. And so for me, I'm concerned that, you know, we we have to be very wary that people who are going through an you know, an addiction and trying not to relapse, they need to kind of protect themselves so that they're not creating opportunities to be triggered too, you know, so, so. Which would cause them to fall back. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, like someone who's been sober and I'm talking about not drinking for 10 years, they can absolutely, they can go into a bar five years. They can go into a bar. If they're two days sober, no, they don't need to go into a bar, you know, so. I I have a friend who doesn't drink anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, and so what the study did talk a little bit about is the effect on the brain. And so there's this stimulus that happens in the brain, this brain activity when you're exposed to their environmental factors and CBD seems to inhibit that. So you're not the 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 craving or the seeking behavior is reduced. So right. it's 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 surprising how that's going to translate into humans and I think next week we should talk about their human study that just came out. They looked at 40 adults who had abstained from heroin and they found some interesting results. They just put out a press release, but the data is still was still the, under review. Was it the same authors? <laughs> yeah, it was the exact same authors. So they went from rats to humans real quick. I love that. <laughs> that is brilliant. But it, I think it was a great example because it's like, where do where do researchers get these ideas for even looking at this stuff? They first have to get some rats together, have them party. And then see what happens. <laughs> some party. Oh, my God. Well, and I have to say, that's why you and I, I love like how you and I talk about these things, because you look at it from the rat side. I look at it from the human side. You know, you're you. You're, I'd like to see how it would affect New York City rats. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe am I making you know what I mean, because yeah. they're going and they're getting them and they're probably nice and cute and shit. And oh, like, no. oh, my God, it's a cute white, white rat. Yeah. <laughs> Get one of them rats from uh, like two line. Yeah, okay. That one of them, I want to see how it affects them. Uh-huh. <laughs> they started talking. Maybe instead of rat poison, they just put some CBD out everywhere. Bingo. And then they'll Guys, like be a little more chill. I'm not kidding. I have that issue. So we what? can do that above my apartment. <laughs> put out what? C- CBD, CBD pellets? CBD pellet. Yeah. You see rats just chilling out. Yo, you good, young? Yeah? I'm good. <laughs> I don't feel like foraging anymore. <laughs> I know I scared you all these years. I just want to apologize. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Is that your rat voice? That's when he's on CBD. <laughs> when he's on CBD. When he's normally sound like this. <laughs> but when he's on CBD, what does he sound like? He sounds a lot like this when he speaks. <laughs> he sounds really smart. <laughs> this is my cousin. You might know him. He's the pizza guy. <laughs> I heard y'all giving out CBD. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that is awesome. Oh lord! Anyhow, well, now that you guys are warmed up, <laughs> warmed up, are you ready to play a little finding or fiction while we yeah. wait for our callers to buzz in? Uh, did you know JFK smoked pot in the White House? So there is a meme going around, and I want you guys to kind of think about this. Uh, while in the White House, it, it was revealed with medical reports that JFK suffered from severe back pain and Addison's disease was on several medications. Was he taking cannabis to treat his conditions along with those other medications to keep him functioning? No. Is this simply made up? Is there some truth to it or is it just fiction? I'm going to say there's some truth to it. 
I'm going to say it's fiction. <laughs> so this is a very widely referenced account of Kennedy's marijuana use. Um, and it is not linked with his health or medical treatment. And so I dug into it because I saw this meme everywhere. And it turns out he did actually smoke cannabis at the White House. Um, one of his friends or mistresses or combination of the two brought him some joints. They smoked three out of six of them. And then... Um, <laughs> He told her no more. Suppose the Russians did something right now. Uh, so, but he did actually use cannabis at the White House, but there is no indication that he used it as a medical treatment. What happened to them other three joints? Wait, They're I, in a vase I, in the Lincoln uh, bedroom. Break in case of emergency. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Good job. Good job. All right. So our next story. So no, I was wrong. Oh, oh, we have a caller. We got a caller. Hello, welcome to Newham Times. Hi. <laughs> well, hello. Hello. Who's calling, please? <laughs> Introduce yourself. So, um, hi, I'm I'm Natalie. I'm calling from um, uh, Emerald Farms Dispensary in Hopland, California. Oh, oh wow! Uh, well, County. Yeah, wow. I love that place. It's a place that has the cars uh, that have the trees coming out of where the engines used to be. Right? Is that the the, Correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a wonderful uh, place. I've been there. Actually, I went there with my mom and visited the dispensary. <laughs> oh, what a fun outing. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we're a cannabis um, education resource center. So we're like super into education and we talk a lot about terpenes and um, all the different cannabinoids and all that good stuff. So oh, wonderful. That's so good. So Thank what, you for calling. And, yeah, and we hope you like our. It podcast <laughs> i yeah there's there's definitely a, a need for more like educated discussion about cannabis and how it can help people and i'm excited to mm-hmm. check oh, you guys out that was great <laughs> so i understand you had a, a question about autism for us yeah um, i was just curious to hear um kind of like what studies are being done um based on like specific cannabinoids or like the therapeutic effects of cannabis in relation to um, autism or those on the autistic spectrum. Yeah, I'm just really curious. <laughs> no, that is a, a, a fascinating uh, subject. And I can kind of talk about it from the pharmacology yep. side. I can uh, talk about it from the behavioral side. So what do we want to start with? Behavioral you. pharmacology. So um, <laughs> there, there are some, one of the things, uh, also I guess I'll start with the, the risk news first. So with like people who have autism, there's a lot of behavioral drugs they're taking and they get metabolized right. by, by the liver. And so sometimes taking THC or CBD can affect how those drugs are metabolized. So it's something that anyone who's going to use cannabis for the first time or continue to use it to treat autism with medications, they're going to want to pay attention to what they're consuming if they're experiencing any changes in how their medications are affecting them and consider you know, alternative routes of um, administration, like under the tongue, so it bypasses the liver or inhalation. Uh, but generally, the research is, is fairly limited to anecdotal reports. So we do hear a lot about THC-rich products as sort of the standard test. And um, it seems that some of the population is helped with some of the behavioral issues, as well as potentially controlling side effects of medications, as well as maintaining uh, regiments to medications, but there are some curveballs there, but it is an area where people are really interested in research. And I think um, both THC and CBD have shown some yep. promise 
for different reasons. reasons. Yep. Yeah. And right. my experience um, as a clinician and working with people on the spectrum is it really kind of depends on the severity. So first, let's start with what's legal in the U.S. We know that with autism spectrum disorders that we are seeing an increase of states who have legalized cannabis for the treatment of that, because typically, as Jehan was referring to, people who are treated who have such issues with autism, what they they find is that there's a lot of agitation, again, depending on where they are on the spectrum, that there's increased agitation, sometimes high, high, high anxiety. If they're responding to the stimulus, they're easily, easily, um, easily um, can be kind of hypervigilant um, whenever they're around sounds, smells, um, people, etc. And so what we see is that neurologists and psychiatrists typically prescribe what we call benzodiazepines, like a Xanax or a Clonopin or an Ativan. Sometimes they'll do mood stabilizers, depending on the issue. I've, I've even seen Risperdone being prescribed to someone with really difficult, um, really uh, debilitating uh, autism. Hmm. And so it depends. So I can tell you as a clinician, I have a client whose son has autism and it was the violent kind of autism. Wow. And he was on, um, I think it was clonopin or I don't want to mess it up, but he was on a benzo as well as some other kind of mood stabilizers to try to kind of help him calm. But he was cons- always um, having struggles with agitation, easily aroused and agitated and would start becoming violent with people. His caretakers or parents were having a hard time. It was impacting his siblings as well. And we actually got uh, him through the process getting a legal medical marijuana card. What has happened as a result, uh, he started doing one-to-one and he is actually off anti-anxiety meds. This is crazy stuff. And the kid, he's 19 years old, this kid is, and they have had, it's just mellowed him out. He laughs now Mm. and is more engaged. He he wasn't verbal either, but he's now more engaged with them, like behaviorally. And this is because of the medical? Yep, uh, yep, because the one-to-one ratio is working for him. And and what they- Write down, what is one-to-one? CBD and THC. Aha, gotcha. And so essentially what- What's happened is that it's not only just impacted the patient, but the patient's family as well in a huge way. Because a lot of times, you know, we we overlook the secondary gain that comes from cannabis use. We often don't talk about the caregivers and the impact that these issues might have on caregivers. So they're seeing this kid who has for 19 years been belligerent, had all of these issues that now he's actually kind of like they can have family nights and Hmm. stuff like that that are much less um, volatile than they were before. So it's amazing what can happen. And, and, you know, to Jayhan's point about potential drug interactions, those are some of the things that I think from an educational perspective, we really need to be working better with dispensaries. Like, obviously, you guys are doing a great job, but in other states where there's not that much information that we've got to do a better job so that our people with certain conditions can get the kind of help and guidance that they need. You know, because, you know, I I will tell you, as a clinician, I always worry about my license because my license does not allow me to prescribe anything. I'm, you know, but I, as a therapist, I have an ethical obligation to teach my patients Mm. 
how to use something and what will work and what won't work. And and what Jayhan was also saying was that we are seeing a lot more studies focused on autism spectrum disorder. And that's something that we've seen at the animal level, but also the human level as well, that it's showing such a huge impact. And I have to say, and I know Jayhan's one to chime in, but I will say one thing I'm fascinated by is the gut biome and autism spectrum disorder and the relation to the ECS, because I think that's something we need to be looking at more too. Well, I hope that, does it help answer some of your questions a little bit? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And uh, one of the things I want to say is there is a study recruiting right now um, at the medical cannabis, it's called Medical Cannabis Registry and Pharmacology, and it's at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's a questionnaire. Um, No way. Yeah, and that um so that I think it's still open. I'm not 100% sure. Is that only pediatric or is it including adults? I believe it is just pediatric. But there's another one on safety and tolerability of CBDV in subjects mm-hmm. with drug resistant mm-hmm. epilepsy and autism mm-hmm. spectrum and that's at the University of Louisville, um, Greg Barnes, uh, no relation to Greer Barnes. <laughs> or is he? <laughs> or is he? <laughs> oh, wait, no, that does say Did Greer you know Barnes. you had a brother? <laughs> so, Greg. And there is also <laughs> not yet recruiting another CBDV, that's cannabidivarin uh, study, that's going to be going on at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York, and it's not yet recruiting. So those are three studies. Um, but yeah, largely people are interested in CBD for autism spectrum, there was a study that looked at a ratio of CBD to THC that was six to one. And there were some adverse events. And I think in about like 10% of the people Mm -hmm. who tried it. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. I think as as Jan pointed out, oftentimes it's been shown in research, it's best to start with a one-to-one ratio and then either add more mm-hmm. CBD or add less THC. You know, I, I, I can tell you a story and I'm not going to say who it is, but um, I don't know if I've repeated this on air before, but of someone who is in, in this um, field whose son has um, autism as well and was on Xanax and the father of the pay, of the guy um, never let him use cannabis, even though he's in this field. And the kid had forgotten two doses of a Xanax. And because of the physical dependency that happens with benzodiazepines, the kid seized and broke two bones in his body. Uh huh. Yeah. And so again, you know, I, I think that we need to kind of work more towards destigmatizing cannabis for treatments of things yeah, like this yeah, and yeah. understanding why, because that was the reason that they never, even though the guy works in the field, you know, and we could talk about that, but we're not. But, but you know, that was a potential issue for it, you know. Okay. That, um, so, you know, you asked about specific cannabinoids. The, the, the main candidates right now seem to be CBD and CBDV. Uh, there's a lot of interest in that. So if you happen to see varieties in CBDV, we'd definitely be interested right. in that. But thank you so much thank for you. calling yeah. in today. That was Looks a fantastic like we have question. More callers coming yeah. in. Thank you. <laughs> thank Take you. care. Thanks thank for answering my question. Thanks. You. And keep listening, please. Call back anytime. And call back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Around 420 on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to apologize to the listeners. Oh, we have a caller. Hello, welcome to the show. Is this Jason? Yes, this is Jason. All right. Um, uh, one second, Jason. We just wanted to apologize to our listeners. It was a little hard for them to hear our last caller, and we think Miles is on the issue and is helping to solve it. Uh, but 
Jason, we know you've had a question that you've been kind of dying to ask for Uh-oh. a week or so, maybe even longer. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where are you calling from today? Um, well, and it's kind of funny. I almost missed the call today um, because I had to go to the emergency room this morning. I uh, sliced my thumb open and ended up getting oh. five stitches. Um, came home and medicated to, to deal with the pain in my hand and ended up falling asleep and woke up to a message. Hey, just a heads up. You're still calling in, right? <laughs> um, but my question is, is about, um, when it comes to vaping or smoking, mm-hmm. either the concentrates, the oils or the cannabis itself, um, any dangers of benzene and naphthalene? Um, inhalation causing problems. I work at a dispensary. I just started last week and we were looking up temperature guides for THC and Mm -hmm. CBD. And one thing I noticed on a guide that I used to look at all the time was they added, I think it was around the 400 degree mark, um, a section that says warning could potentially um, give off harmful vapors due to benzene and napo. So, yeah, as you, as you pointed out, there's a lot of variables there. Variables in the products, variables how it's delivered. I mean, I've seen so many different types of vape pens and vape mm-hmm. settings. And you also want to make sure that it's actually vaping it at the temperature you think it, it, it's vaping it. But basically, um, you know, a single you know exposure to benzene or naphthalene shouldn't do any permanent damage. What it's mostly you want to worry about is long-term exposure. So if you're chronically getting exposed to it, yeah, benzene can be harmful, like on your bone marrow, can cause a decrease in red blood cells, can lead to anemia. Um, uh, and, and, you know, it's also linked to to forming, you know, cancer. It's associated with that as well. So it can be uh, dangerous. The CDC has a lot of facts about it, um, about benzene, um, if you're, you know, interested. In that. But definitely inhaling benzene regularly, it will present some health risks is the point. But if it's, um, okay. yeah, chronic exposure, that stuff is bad. And naphthalene um, as well, it's it's not, you know, this is the kind of the stuff you find in mothballs, like, you know, your grandparents oh, keep in the closet. So Great. if that smells good to you, you know, um, eating those mothballs will cause like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, everything we love to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> may it'll even turn your skin yellow. Um, uh, it's also, oh, wow. you know, people can develop cataracts, but we're talking about you know, very, very intense chronic exposure. Um, so the concern here is, is again, if you just use a vape pen once, it has marginal levels of benzene and naphthalene, probably not going to do anything. But if that's the only product you're using and using it every day, all the time, it's that accumulated risk of, of using it. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't call that a medical product. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. you know when you when you buy uh, alcohol or beer there's a little bit of uh you know like trace amounts of formaldehyde and acetone and that right. stuff so mm-hmm. you know uh, if, if you eat a hot dog you're probably getting a lot of random things in yeah. there as well mm. but again it's about <laughs> there's no telling what you get <laughs> yeah so i just I, you know i don't want to scare you too much but the idea would be if you do have these things in your products and you're aware of them minimize consumption uh, definitely. But yeah, especially if it's in. Yeah, no, we and, and, and we haven't seen anything personally. Like there's been no tests, you know, coming back to our dispensary that have been sparking this. We literally just like saw this thing. And I was like, you know, what? I listen to the legalization podcast. I listen to stuff on the medical end of things. Like I research this stuff in my free time. I have not seen this yet. 
And so that kind of like threw up a flag to me Hmm. that, you know, it's probably not as big of a deal as this thing is making it out to be since I haven't even heard of it. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that if it's if it's persisting in the products or is receiving, that's a conversation you want to have with the manufacturers because, you know, the the dispensing operation is not paying for benzene to be a part of the yeah. active ingredient right. in their product. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Either that or what was it? Oats and taco meat, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Someone listens to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> taco uh-huh. Bell. Come on, a little yeah. sriracha on that oatmeal tastes yeah. so good. There you go. <laughs> oh my god! But no, that's it's a it's a really so good question, and you know what's great about some of these things is that they're more volatile. Um, so in theory, if it's in an oil, it can be uh, purged out of it. Um, not a good idea to purge it while you're inhaling it, but you know it's kind of like uh, steeping an oil. You can heat it up, and it'll bubble out. And sometimes you can see it. Like you might have seen like a hash that has like little bubbles in it and stuff. Mm. Sometimes mm-hmm. that is trapped gases that they use for the extraction. And sometimes it's just, you know, vapor or water vapor or other stuff. Huh. But that can kind of be a tell, especially if you put like a, one of the old school hippie quality control techniques was sometimes getting some hash and lighting a lighter and putting over it. And if it sparks, you're like, Oh, still has some benzene in it. Uh-huh. Cause benzene's flammable. <clears throat> so that's the sort of a, old school technique that some hippies in California told me about is they could tell if something was isolated with butane or benzene or other things and it wasn't fully purged because it would kind of spark uh, a little bit. Spark. <laughs> Hilarious. So if, you're, if your cannabis product is shooting sparks, don't consume it. Be- <laughs> yeah, just check, double check every time. Spark. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you, Jason. We, we have to attend to a technical issue. <laughs> Thanks for oh, me. yeah, no worries. That was, that was a great um, question. I, I do just want to say real yeah. quick to Dan. Yes. I have part of the Cannabuster short story started. Oh. And I feel like I feel like it's something that you folks would enjoy. Oh, oh right. <laughs> how intriguing! <laughs> and also, Greer, I saw you about two years ago, I think, in New York when I was on a work trip, and you were absolutely fucking phenomenal. Oh, thanks, isn't he? Man. <laughs> he's like the Mister. He's so he's just so awesome. Thank you. We were having that. such a shit day, and we—I mean, you know—I think it was I think it was you and. I want to say Todd Barry, if that sounds familiar. Yeah, Todd Barry. He's um, hilarious. Love him. Yeah. yeah, a couple of other people. And we just, yeah. all three of us had a really shit day working like 14 hours. And we got off, had a few drinks, went to see you guys. And you were phenomenal. Totally lifted our spirits. So thank you very Good. much for that. Glad I could help, man. Right on, brother. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Call back anytime, <laughs> especially right, with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, we look forward to hearing from you in the future. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for everything you guys do. Right on, brother. Right on. We might have to get some comedians on this podcast. I want to read you guys a little story, and I want you to tell me if I wrote it or did someone else write it. Is it it finding or fiction? All right. All right. Finding or fiction. Let's go. Idaho scientists developed the first CBD-infused potato, the biggest idea in Idaho since the state decided to allow television. So cannabidiol, right, the most commonly extracted compound from hemp, has now been produced inside a potato. And we all know the stories about the bioengineering going on with cannabis and yeast and other stuff. So 
the potato was developed under the secret project Chemically Balanced Dog, or CBD, but could face legal roadblocks because traces of THC were found in the genetically modified potato. So this potato has been dubbed the Mary Jane Potato. Um, How would it, Mary Jane so, Potato. So it's... Oh, <clears throat> <laughs> wait, how, oh, wait. wait. And you said the state of Idaho. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Mary Jane potato mm. originated in the potato state. It may, but Idaho may be one of the last places where it comes to market. Um, <laughs> Governor Brad Little and the state legislature have repeatedly stated <laughs> that marijuana and any THC products remain illegal, even for medical use. Um, uh, so what do you guys think? Is this story of the CBD infused potato? That is so bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to go with bullshit because be bullshit. Idaho is ass backwards for another 50, 60 years. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not not the people. Maybe the people who are governing that state. But um, well, I don't. I, well, don't. I just want to say pound for pound, their potatoes could <clears throat> outproduce marijuana as the largest source of CBD. Ha, dig it. And it does. <laughs> Wait, but no. How oh, would no, you? Wow. No, wow. That's wow. <laughs> Can you imagine those french fries? Yeah. If Let me was... get the CBD fries. <laughs> The little rat can eat the CBD fries and the CBD. Oh, you think it's possible? <laughs> no, I'm gonna go say I'm gonna say yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah to this question. So, yeah, oh French fries, mashed potatoes, hash browns. This could the Mary tater Jane potato tots. could become a part of every meal. Tater Ooh, tots, tater pots. What? Tater yeah. pots. Oh trademark my god. That trademark. Right <laughs> trademark. New Hemp Times. Trademark. <laughs> You heard it from here first. Tater pots. Tater pots. CBD. <laughs> and everybody loved tatoes. <laughs> With less sodium and more CBD. So, oh my God. It has to be a healthier alternative. So do you guys don't. think this healthier alternative is fiction or do you think it's a finding? Wow, man. I, I, I'm going to say it's a finding. He <laughs> He's hoping it's a finding. <laughs> he's praying it's a finding. I mean, I wonder, can you do that? <laughs> That's like, a good idea. Like, is yeah. it scientifically possible? I, think I they, say yes, that's what I'm saying. Is it scientifically yeah. possible? I know. I'm so, such a nerd. Well, I, I, well, I, buckle, I, hang on to your potatoes, folks, because you, while this article, <laughs> while this article did appear on the BoiseTimes.com, the Boise Times is a satirical <laughs> article. I was right. As it is endorsed by uh, Theodore Roosevelt, I believe, is the 22nd president. <laughs> wow. But, but the, the article did appear and some people immediately took to social media to let us know that it had jumped from yeast and other s- organisms to potatoes. But this is indeed a made up article. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, there go those ideas. I know, but that would have been. I was been- looking forward to those fries. <laughs> Ready for your next one? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So our uh, next news item, is this a finding or is this fiction? Man sues Albertsons claiming he was wrongfully terminated over medical marijuana and legally using it. So uh, this Valley man is in the middle of a legal battle with Albertsons from Arizona. He said he was wrongfully terminated for using medical marijuana on the job. He was involved in a forklift accident a year ago. Which he um, he only received. He says he received less than an hour of training to use the forklift, and while lifting up a pallet of top ramen, it fell over. Uh, an official said one particular pallet tipped over as it got to the higher shelf, and a couple of cases of ramen noodles fell. That was a big disaster. We lost a lot of ramen. Uh, <laughs> so, is this story true that an Amazon forklift operator was fired after he spilled a case of ramen? 
And the Albertson said this is a safety sensitive issue. He's getting fired despite not having adequate training, it seems like, for his job. Finding or fiction? I need to not talk right now. I will like abstain from that because I know the answer. That's fine. Do you want to go first, Greer? Okay. Um <laughs> spilled ramen with a forklift. Yeah. Spilled, yeah. So that, this is bullshit. This is ramen. What happened to all that ramen? Like, <laughs> Did it go our stoner dollars coming into the store? Like it cut into our budget. Hmm. Um, I'm just I, the thing that I'm wondering about is uh, how he's he's saying that he was uh, undertrained. Oh. Yeah. Well, he said he got yeah. about an hour of training <laughs> yeah. before using a forklift. Forklifts are seem kind of complicated to me. I mean, I imagine yeah. Yeah. they look seem, a little yeah. tricky to mm-hmm. use, um, especially kind of balance them mm-hmm. so that stuff you know you don't spill it's, a bunch of ramen. But basically, what happens is, is there's an accident at work. People get drug tested and he got let go because he tested positive for THC. But is this is this just a made up legal case or do you guys think that Albert's- made up legal case? That's a made up legal case. He thinks everything I say is made up. I would say. <laughs> That's not true. I believe that last one with the potato. <laughs> yeah, that was a great story. <laughs> Wishful thinking. It is true. Indeed, it is a it is true, true story. Yes. This is indeed a true story covered by 12news.com. A man yep. is suing Albertsons, claiming he was wrongfully terminated over medical marijuana. I also think it's a bit, I don't know, what do you want to say? Like firing someone for, it's not like he spilled a bunch of detergent all over the floor and it took hours to clean up. It's top ramen. How much can it cost? Like <laughs> a nickel for a ton? I mean, yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and it's what, freeze dried anyway, yeah. right? So, what, maybe a couple got crushed <laughs> well and i'm curious what are they trying to say well what was the suit what was albertson's trying to say that he, made he that mistake was high he was on the job mm. or mm. that he used you know what were they trying to say they just said well basically um uh they basically what they're trying to say is yeah that the, he was impaired at the work but the urine test after an accident doesn't show impairment so they, right so he, he may it might have just been a simple accident at work, but they use the excuse of that. Oh, but this guy has a case, right? Because yes. it's for medical, medical. Uh, exactly cannabis, right? Yeah, he has. He's so a legal a- patient in yeah. Arizona, and this is where in Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona is a legal but, state. But that's yep. why I go back to what were they trying to say? Were they, they trying, were trying to say to, he was impaired, yeah, or yeah. was they he? Were, Im- did they even test for impairment? They Doesn't were, sound like yeah. They didn't test for impairment. They have such a weak legal case right there because there's no way. All they did was test for a legal drug in a system. They didn't test for impairment. Well, that system can get into trouble well, on well, its own because, t- yeah, because the simple fact that they had him using, you know, working a a forklift, a yeah, forklift, and well, he only had an hour's training. And I have to say, this is something Seems that happens. But this like, is something anything, that happens. That's on you. you the career. This minute. happens <clears throat> all the time, like with DUIs, with everything, where they'll take you, and if they even suspect that you've been using anything. You know, they they might try to give you a DUI or test your blood or something like that. And that there's really not a correlation to that and impairment. And so we've talked, I know Jehan and I've talked a lot with a lot of different people about what does a good test for impairment really look like? Because you have people like AAA who are saying that, you know, if you legalize it, it's immediately going to cause car accidents and it's not the same thing. 
You well, know there's I mean? a thing called actually there is a thing called impairment test the thing yeah. that police officers do on the road they they check your eyes sure. and make right. you walk make you walk and but if you're a medical mm-hmm. patient and you have some mobility <laughs> issues that that test may not work but right. for the average consumer there are already standards it doesn't matter if you're sleepy or you were eating a sandwich while you were driving or, or you have a food coma whatever if you're impaired and your your performance is inhibited it can be measured um, objectively and so the standard that some people put forward is if there's an accident at work, just have someone who's trained administer the impairment test. And yep. other than that, it's it's an accident. Um, but yeah, that's, I think these issues are going to come up more and more. But I like your point, Greer. Like, I, I feel uncomfortable now if I go to Costco and I'm like, man, that guy had only an hour of training exactly. and he's zipping around like, on know, that thing. I mean, <laughs> now he can go somewhere else and be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a forklift driver. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> With well, his one hour of training. He's like working for the nuclear power plant. I got yeah, this. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, like all right. Me. So our, our last, I think this is our last news one. And then I have two science ones Let's for you guys. It. But our last news one is, is a little bit of a question for you guys. Not, a, not too much of a story, but I want you guys to think, why are voters in Portland, Oregon, upset with their cannabis program this week? So this is more of a trivia question. Why are consumers and advocates and voters upset in Portland? Is it because the law only allows them to carry an ounce or less? Is it because officials are refusing to expunge records? Um, is it because the tax revenue isn't going where they want it? Is it because it rains so much in Portland that it makes it possible to smoke outside? Is it a reason I haven't mentioned yet? Why do you guys think consumers in Portland might be upset with their cannabis program? Revenue. What about the That revenue? it's not going to where it's supposed to be going to. Where do you think it might be going? Well, you didn't ask me that question. <laughs> I am now. But I don't have to answer. I don't know. Just taking the fifth. <laughs> so um, I was I was out in Portland and on this uh, Yeah. They're actually, um, they're taking some of the revenue from marijuana to build housing for the oh, really? large percentage of homeless that they have there. Really? This was like two years ago I heard this. I mean, I... I it's interesting. They're like little tent cities in, in yeah. Portland. It's, it's it, crazy, yeah. isn't it? The homelessness like, there is crazy. But I mean, it's a fucking beautiful place. I'm it like, is. yo. And all I need is a sleeping bag. Free <laughs> 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 housing. You hit oh, it. You shit. That's where I'm going. You're circling it, Greer, because <laughs> the money mm-hmm. ended up not going, going uh-huh. to rebuild those communities. It went uh-huh. somewhere else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, we're, we were both on something. Yes, we're both. <laughs> we're like detectives. We're both right. Cannabis <laughs> yeah. detectives. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's not going back to rebuilding disadvantaged communities. Where would be and among the legal framework of operating a city? Where would be the last place you would think that the cannabis revenue would go to? The last place. Mm, do, 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 do. Firearms. That's actually pretty close. Uh, <laughs> most of the income that was Trust generated. Me, I'm a doctor. Most of the income. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> just, she can what? figure stuff out. Okay, okay. I want another thought guns. <laughs> oh, thank Go. you. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, thank what? you, my uh, <laughs> dynamic duo of cannabis detectives. <laughs> so most of the income went to backfill police budget shortages. So instead of going to Those rebuild, motherfuckers. Yeah. So wow, that's like that's like blasphemy. Those motherfuckers. That is that's blasphemy. That's evil. They got that money Ooh. instead of 
Yeah, so that's why people are upset in Portland right now. Good for the people in Portland, then, man. Oh, that's so, so that's evil. That they approved a three percent sales tax on legal pot sales, and residents voted for a measure, and they were sold on it. Right, that it would equally divide it between public safety, substance abuse treatment, support for small businesses, and economically disadvantaged neighborhoods, which include. Uh, rebuilding cities. So they did a, a city audit revealed that the division of the revenue has been anything but equal as majority of the money went to fund budget shortages for the Portland Police Bureau. Um, so I think they made about uh, f- between four and five million last year. And so majority of that went, uh, I think 79% was handed back to the Police Bureau. <gasps> Only 5% was designated to assist with small businesses. And once the, again, the they got rewarded for Nothing. Mm. <clears throat> okay. So there you go. Uh, the people who have been uh, criminalized for marijuana policy yeah. activity are not the people who are making buckloads of money every single yep. day. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Yep. That's why it's blasphemous. Man. Evil. All right. So our I last. Wish Randy was here. We have two more stories that <laughs> oh are coming God. out of the science department for you guys. Okay. The substitute teachers trying to keep us on track, Greer. Well, we're almost out of <laughs> cannabis time. Uh-huh. So go. But, but so mm-hmm. the first one is we're going to start off a little, try and start simply with the science one. And the question is where did cannabis come from? So researchers have been trying to figure out where did cannabis originate? Um, and so the actual origin of cannabis has been a mystery. Where did it first evolve? But is it true that thanks to a new study by researchers from the University of Vermont, that they have pinned cannabis's first appearance to uh, appearing in the Tibetan Plateau? So this plant that's associated with you know, spiritual medicine and all these things originating in the Tibetan Plateau. Uh, is this a finding or is this just wishful thinking that we've solved this origin? Hmm. Okay, I'm voting. I always thought it was um, from the Garden of Eden. Where's that located? Is that I, I don't know. You're going to have to ask Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm going to only say yes. Only, here's my logic. You used a lifeline to check no, in. No, we, I, okay, the lifeline and I both have a matching tattoo and it's a Tibetan tattoo. Uh-oh. Me and my, show them. Me and uh, yeah. So you're so, basing your decision on on my matching tattoos. tattoos. No, okay. and I, I have a that. Tibetan Om on here. So I am extrapolating with this bizarre kind of train of thought that yes, mm-hmm. because it is kind of maybe that is kind of what made Buddha or and and you know all the Buddhists kind of eventually a little bit more enlightened. <laughs> not that's not bad. That's yeah. That's it's a good bullshit story, but I'll I'm going to say fact. Oh, so it is indeed. Fine. What do you think? Is it too good to be true? I'm gonna have to go with them, with, with the Tibetan. Yeah, they was they was um they were burning it. Oh, and um. it's like somebody get, anybody <laughs> getting hungry? Yeah, I'm getting hungry too. That's how they um. started doing the throat singing. That that was you just know that kind of funny coughing. sound. <laughs> have you ever heard throat singing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like crazy. From Mongolia, there's yeah. big <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. Damn, you're good. I've done it for like a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that cannabis keeps you young. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. let's go. We're going to Tibetan. <laughs> yeah, we're totally going to Tibetan today. Uh, <laughs> well, good job, guys. This story is true. 
So I knew I had a Tibetan. See, I actually practiced Tibetan Buddhism in the Galukpa lineage, which is the Dalai Lama's lineage. So mm. I've actually, I'm literally, cons- I have Didn't a Tibetan he name. recently say something? No, it's in one of those books I bought. And I, God, just, I got to look at that article. He said something positive about uh, cannabis. Well, I guess what I'm going to look up right now. I'm going to look it up. Well, so uh, this is actually Robert Clark is one of the most famous cannabis ethnobotanists in history. You know, he's still alive, still cranking out the data. He actually believes the study has limitations. He says he uses the term somewhere in Central Asia is where cannabis evolved. But they say about 28 million years ago uh, is when cannabis first appeared. And at that time, cannabis and hops were the same plant. It was a great time no to be alive. Way. Hops from like beer? beer? Yeah. And then they split. And the first time they had... They broke up. That was the up. Adam and Eve. Yeah. Hops uh-huh. said, I'm out of here. Hops. hops and Eve said, up. I can't rely on you for anything. Yeah. <laughs> Adam? Yeah. Hops went... Hops, I mean, right. Yeah. All the no beer mind. drinkers went to Northern Europe and all the cannabis <laughs> users went south to India. And it's... They've been fighting for centuries. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> and a little truthful, too, if you think. <laughs> That's the evolution so of it. Hilarious. Wow. And, uh, and what's really interesting oh is God. that some of this stuff, some of the places where they think cannabis originated is some of where the first, like, hominins and early humans were also, have also been found, too. So, you know, in caves in Siberia, because, you know, like, Russia kind of bleeds over into, like, Asia and stuff. So all in that area, they find lots of, examples and not far from there maybe i mean not far like thousand miles or so they did find a tomb that was like 2500 years old a couple (coughs) years ago where they found like 30 pounds of cannabis flowers and like musical instruments in the shaman's grave so it's a big a big deal so it looks like that's hilarious but these researchers are staking their claim saying tibetan plateau about two miles above sea level sounds like a great place for cannabis to evolve I love how we thought about that today. We like use some well, kind of deduction to come to. Well, it. yeah, because you went directly because you. But you got talking the mic. You talking about how you have the uh, the matching tattoos. Yeah, and it's like okay, you studied, and then you said that musical and, yeah, tone thing yeah. that they sing, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I've heard that, and I just did, did an impression. Did of I it. ever tell you my and name, my Tibetan name? What is it? Kunsong Palmo. I'm not kidding. I have it like a, a monk from Tibet actually gave me that name when I took refuge. How do you say it? Kunsong Palmo. And it means heroine of kindness. Isn't that sweet? Superhero of kindness. Heroine, yes. Mm, and I like that, that. yeah, and, and I so like I actually have practiced for since he he was a baby. So almost twenty years or more than twenty years. And um I we used to do like long life ceremonies, all these vajrasattva uh, initiative uh, um, initiations. I've mm. done Tara initiations, like empowerments and stuff like that. And the mythology in Tibetan Buddhism is so cool, and it has helped me. It's informed my therapeutic practice. It's informed everything I mm. do, how I treat people and try to be treated, and it's just a beautiful religion. It really is cool. <clears throat> it's out there. But it's really mythology and just recognizing that. And so that's why, of course, cannabis would be coming from that place. <laughs> it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. A per- that, that explains everything, Jehan. Oh, how much was found? And, how, and, then, <laughs> and then musical instruments, like those people were thoughtful. Oh. They were like, well, let's leave it here because like somebody else will find it. And, you know, they'll, 
<laughs> They'll enjoy it. <laughs> like, they want to party too. Yeah, you know, like, like those, what do you want in the afterlife with you? About a thousand clay soldiers? Oh, no. <laughs> Give me some weed and a pipe. <laughs> I'll write songs about it. <laughs> How are you guys feeling? You're good? Mm. Oh, I'm this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing, Jayhan? I'm good. Well, that's. Is that our show? That's about all the material I have. It's time for Mind Munchies. And the the I've been thinking about a quote a lot the, this last week. And it's from John Gunther. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But it says, happiness depends on a leisurely <laughs> breakfast. Ah, okay. It's, it's something I like to think about. It, it helps me uh, slow down and, and chew my waffles before I head out the door. Mm. Um, do you guys have any parting wisdom quotes or what stories? Was, what was that one you just quoted? Happiness <laughs> depends on a leisurely breakfast. Mm. So you got to okay. eat breakfast. I'm sure there's something. <laughs> or brunch. Could be a leisurely brunch. Or, or you know, a yeah. mid-morning snack. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> Okay, so here's my words of wisdom. Right, you just came from the beach. You got to have a lot of insights. Oh my God. You had a week there to come up with this. I First <laughs> off, I didn't realize how addicted I had become to working all the time. The last few years had been so crazy. Hmm. So it took me literally from a Friday to a Wednesday to finally feel relaxed. And once I hit that relaxation, it was just bliss. And so my words of advice is... It's so easy to get caught up in bullshit. And sometimes we just need a little perspective and take some time off and take a break and regroup and take care of yourself. Let your body disintegrate. Well, <laughs> enjoy the friggin' beach, man. Gosh. I, I like that. Fucking... Enjoy the beach. Welcome enjoy to summer. Beach. Welcome to summer, everyone. <laughs> brown sand, brown water. No, it was white sand, clear green water. Oh, that's when you leave New York. <laughs> We should talk about the beaches in New York. Yeah, I know. I know. If you need to temper your immune system, go into that uh, brown oh water. My oh God. yeah. <laughs> It'll protect all right. You. Well, <laughs> well, I think that's it for us now. <laughs> that's all the cannabis news that's new and improved at the sweetest smelling podcast studio in the world. Thank you so much to Green Bars, oh, Jan, and our new intern Grayson joining us. Yeah, yeah Grayson. Shout out to Miles. 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 Troubleshooting our uh, technical difficulties on the fly and his lovely, quiet, well-behaved dog wearing a nice shirt right now. I know. I love that dog. Thank you guys to our listeners, really. Thank you all. And for the wonderful words that you've all given us over the last few weeks, we've loved the messages that we've been getting. So thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Don't forget us on Patreon. And send us your cannabis questions, your cannabis thing myths, and we'll answer them on the air. All right. Have a great day, guys.